Hello everyone and welcome back to the Science of Pokemon. I'm your host, Veteran Lucas, and with me as always is Professor Collins. How's life, my friend? Uh, it's good. I feel like this is the part of the show where like I've been acting like you're my therapist. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's what this has become. <laughs> I mean, you want to? You want? You want me? To, you want to hear about my life? Because no, it all started back when I was a kid. And yeah, no, we're done with this bit. We'll, we'll come up with a new bit later. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> on today's episode, for those who didn't watch our last episode on Africa, we decided that there was one section of Africa that needed to get its own episode, and that is Egypt. Well, to be fair, it's like the only part of Africa that there's enough. I mean, if you did listen to the last one, we we or I made the claim that I did not feel Africa was well represented in these games. And I do stand by that. I do not feel like Africa or South America is very well represented in these games. However, uh, Egypt is uh, very apparent, specifically uh, ancient Egypt culture here, you know, Egyptian mythology. So, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about. Awesome. All right. So, again, this episode is going to focus not so much on the wildlife of the Pokemon, but this is going to be a really big cultural one on a lot of these Pokemon that take direct inspiration from the beliefs and customs of ancient Egypt. Yeah, let's get this under wraps. Cue the music. Alright, so before we dive into the myths and legends that you're so good at digging up, I do want to talk a little bit about why Egypt was the powerhouse of the ancient world. Oh, it's because of the movie Blood from the Mummies too. The what? <laughs> you know, the, the great 1970s film Blood from the Mummies too. And this is now a movie trivia podcast. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Why, <laughs> why we don't try to replace you, I do not know. In any case, <laughs> with, the, um, with the ancient world, um, Egypt was a major player for a very long time. And the reason why it was such a major player was because of its real estate. Location matters in where you build. And they built right on the Nile River, which is one of the longest rivers on Earth. And it provided some of the most fertile soil on the planet at the time. Uh, they settled there in 3000 BC. And from there, it's a massively long timeline uh, from them going from just a small group of people to one of the largest empires in the ancient world. Now, because they had the river system, you would think that a lot of people would try and go and attack them for it and their resources. But truth be told, there were some invasions to Egypt, but a large number of those were deflected by the elements around them. There are very few paths in and out out of Egypt that they didn't control. And if you wanted to try and invading them from one side, well, you have the Sahara, other side of the ocean, down south, horrifying jungles, and up north, you're going to have even more parts of desert, and you can't sail up the river because it goes, it flows northward. So you're not gonna be able to actually sail through there. Um, they did um, come up with a lot of really cool stuff when it came to building their society, not just for language, medicine, sciences. Uh, they also came up with some pretty interesting uh, little tidbits that most people don't know. Fun fact, they were the first people that I know of that actually domesticated, I mean truly domesticated the cat, because they used to use cheetahs like we use hunting dogs. Wait, for real? For real. Why can't we do that? Endangered Species Act of the 1970s? Fair enough. <laughs> uh, so, um, have you ever thought about why people care so much about Egypt? And if I, I swear, if you mention a 1970s film, I'm going to flip. Bram Stoker? No. Close. So Bram Stoker did write about the mummy. Wait, what was the name of the book? Uh, Bram Stoker, uh, Blood from the Mummies. <laughs> Darn it! <laughs> 
Stoker? Uh, the mummy from it the was tomb. a not. No, it was a not-so-short Frenchman by the name of Napoleon Bonaparte. So oh, when Napoleon okay. was um, uh, touring around the world, and by touring, I mean half conquering, half-touring, uh, he went to Egypt, and he saw all the monuments, and he saw all the work that the ancient people did, and he was like, whoa, that's awesome, I'm going to bring some of that back, and he brought it back with him to Europe, and people became obsessed with the ancient Egyptian world ever since. So you have everything from people obsessed with preserving with their organs in jars you have yes. people being buried with their stuff which is a super Egyptian thing to do because you're supposed to prepare for the afterlife and they even brought back some of the gods that they worship not to worship themselves but to just marvel at some of them the same way we marvel at Zeus and from the Greek pantheon so you have Amon which is the king of gods in ancient Egypt Osiris lord of the living Ra the sun god and Anubis who patrols the afterlife and a whole pantheon of other gods we could totally do a podcast about them because we won't no that's not my we won't that's not my style not doing any of that uh but it goes to showing you that it's not just pokemon that we take our influences to egypt it's everything from architecture to art to popular culture ancient egypt influences so much of what we do because one frenchman decided that it was cool uh but now we're gonna get to some of the pokemon because we have one of the longest lists we've ever done and i can't wait to talk about them <laughs> Alright, so let's go ahead and get started to one of the first Pokemon that was ever blatantly Egyptian. Uh, we're going to go ahead and talk about Unknown. Now with Unknown, he literally stated that he's based off hieroglyphs, uh, which are commonly attributed to ancient Egypt, although Sanskrit and other languages have written and drawn on walls before. Now, with hieroglyphics, what they typically are are pictures that form into different words. Now with these guys, what's important to understand with um, the ancient Egyptians is that they had over 900 different characters and phrases. With unknown, it is based on the Latin alphabet. Um, it's got some Greek letters thrown in and Cyrillic letters in the third movie. Uh, but no, unknown, while it's based on the idea of written, writing on the wall, um, it's, it's pretty pretty darn Latin. And who would you got next on your end? I have a, a Lucario. Oh, Lucario. Uh, All right. What do you got on him? So, um, Lucario is, is, is very clearly Anubis here. Uh, the build, the head. I mean, you know, if you've seen any depiction of Anubis, I, I, I just think of uh, uh, Night at the Museum. Slender physique uh, with jackal head, you know, strong. You know, I think it really reflects on Lucario here. Um, mm-hmm. Now, Anubis uh, often associated with, you know, protection of, of tombs of the dead, uh, just because, you know, we, we, people tend to associate jackals with, with graveyards. The other thing, to, though, to talk about here is, is Aura. The, the thing is that Lucario, we know, can read Aura and, and see Aura uh, and judge people by their Aura. And this kind of reflects highly on Anubis's roles, because Anubis isn't so much like protector of the dead as as he is the the judge here so anubis's role is essentially known as guardians of, of the scales i've ever seen uh, egyptian hieroglyphics or, or uh, imagery you know you've seen the, the scales here and anubis's job it 
as in the Book of the Dead, is essentially to measure and weigh the person's soul to determine their worthiness of entering the realm of the dead. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so they weigh the the heart of the deceased of the deceased person against uh, like the truth, and they try to see you know the, the, how it weighs out to see the fate of the soul if they're going to be you know devoured or if they uh, can ascend to a, a heavenly existence. Huh? Yeah, and awesome. it, it kind of ties into you know other stuff we talked about here the the, the keeping of your organs and all that great stuff yeah and with lucario he's constantly judging people based on their aura like any time of the anime they go like oh lucario thinks you have a good aura like i mean that's pretty pretty close yeah um the other thing though is uh lucario has a lot of reminiscence here of a boxer Mm-hmm. And uh, boxing does have strong uh, Egyptian roots. Uh, it's one of the locations where boxing is thought to have originated. Um, and bare knuckle boxing uh, was a norm in Egypt, and it has been depicted in sculptures. Um, in 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 not Thebes. It's uh. It, you know, it's it's Thebes. Oh, good. I'm good. Yeah, you got uh, it. You, you know, it's it. modern luxury. You know, and and these sculptures depict, uh, you know, sets of boxers and fighters, you know, with spectators and performing for a pharaoh. So you know, kind of like modern uh, sporting events here. The other thing, though, is that the appearance might have connection to the African golden wolf, which is native to Egypt. All right. Just and and you you think about the shiny here. We talked about I think it was our our second episode about how sometimes you notice uh, the shiny forms of Pokemon, especially those tied into mythology, uh, reflect something else as well. And the shiny uh, Lucario is is very bright and golden. Oh, all right. I mean, like, with shinies, I guess you get some of the terrible, terrible pink ones, and occasionally you get a good one thrown in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, let, let's also talk about Pidgeot, Pidgeot. P- Pidgeot, Pidgeot. Down, down here we say Pidgeot. Okay, sure, whatever. Uh, the bird that goes... <laughs> <laughs> You're not, we're not doing that sound again. No, stop it. We're not. We're not doing that sound again. <laughs> so, um, the 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 bird itself is clearly a bird of prey, but the eye, the eye uh, resembles the eye markings of both the sun and sky gods of Egyptian mythology. Uh, Ra and Horus. Oh, now, cool. Now, Ra is uh, is the sun god, um, mm-hmm. and typically is a man with a head of a hawk. And it kind of tie, you know, ties into to the Pidget's uh, head here. Uh, Horus, though, is the is the sky, and um, you know, contains the sun and the moon. It, it is, you know, he is the being that traverses the sky. You know, that that change and shift in day and night. But yeah, I mean, it, it literally is 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 a falcon. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's tons of falcon imagery in ancient Egypt. Um, yeah. There is one uh, Pokemon, though, that has some passing relevance to some more deities. Um, Volcarona. Now, Volcarona is like a mismatch of every fiery, terrible, monstrous, moth, sun nonsense you could find. Like, everything from ancient Egyptian lore to Mothra and Godzilla. Um, a, a lot of solar deities have very similar designs of heat and intensity. Um, in Volcarona's case, the head and the antenna bear resemblance to um, Hathor. Um, Hathor was the goddess of miners, and it depicts, and um, when I say miners, I don't mean small children. I mean like pickaxes and 
and dwarves. Uh, when, <laughs> uh, what uh, <laughs> uh, will happen is um, the, um, the depiction has the horns cradling a disc resembling the sun. Now, in French and German, um, their names can give off to fire. It also might have ties to Ra. Um, in French, it's Firax, and in German, it's Ramoth. Now, depending on your interpretation, you could insert Ra into both of those. But again, with so much Egyptian culture infused in, it's just one of those little nitty-bitty things. It's a giant flaming moth monster. Praise be unto it. <laughs> All right, so who do you have next, Professor? Um, I have... An adorable Shinxen Luxio. Oh, all right. What, I mean, we talked about them a little bit before. Why'd you bring yeah. them back? Well, we, I mean, obviously we did. We mentioned the relation, especially with Lux right here, uh, about uh, lynxes and so forth. But literally, it's in the name of Shinx. Shinx. Fair enough. Sphinx. <laughs> I mean, it's right there. I'm clever. Um, I get it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and even the the cat-like body here of them, of them both. And Luxio, while Lux uh, does mean light in Latin, you know, there is also connections here with Luxor, uh, Egypt, which is a very famous locale of sphinxes. Oh, huh. Well done, Pokemon. You branch out further than I ever thought you would. I mean, yeah, because, you know, because here's the thing, you know, there's all these connections here that you're like, man, were they on purpose or are we overthinking? <laughs> and, I, and I, no, I, you, you laugh, but I actually, the other day, because I was bored, was looking at um, uh, locales in, in the movies, Pokemon movies and the real world locations. And I mean, they really do spend a lot of time researching everything they do. Oh, they really wow. do. And here's the other thing, though. The Egyptian Sphinx is very different than the Greek Sphinx. Um, it's not going to steal my soul or kill me, is it? No, it's it's benevolent. Oh! Yeah, it's not, like, malevolent like the Greek version. It's not, you know, it, it's it's wise. It's helpful. Um, and I try to think of it, you know, kind of connecting here to the personalities we so associate with Shinx, Luxio, or Luxray. You know, that personality of... of helpful you know i think of the uh the new movie here the 20th movie and, and luxray you know the the so helpful you uh, guys. Uh, 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 no no spoilers let it's them been watch out it. for over a year and a half like, let them watch it let them watch it no that's spoilers. like saying what fine whatever yep okay all right, so the next ones I want to talk about, Yamask and Kafagrigus, they are undoubtedly the most Egyptian thing that ever went into this game. Like, just just look at them. Just look at them. Like, they are, there's nothing even hidden. There's no, like, oh, this is from a city of sphinxes. Like, no, that is literally a sarcophagus. So let's start with your mask first. For your mask, uh, is, there's two parts to it. There's the black floaty ghost part and the mask that it carries. Uh, the floating black mask that makes up the ghost parts is um, representative of Ba. Now, Ba, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, ba. is effectively um, what Egyptians would consider what makes you unique, yeah? their version of a personality. So it could be anything pretty much that makes you a personality, but your personality is separate from you as a person when you die. So when you die, the personality has to find its way back to you, and it finds its way back by turning into a human-headed bird and flying off to join you. Um, now, if that spirit cannot find you, 
that's where you get something like your mask where it's this twisted piece of a person's personality and what it's carrying that mask is known as a death mask so death masks have been used by a lot of different cultures throughout time um they're usually going to be wax or they're going to be some kind of plaster and people have used them to identify people after they found their body they use the death mask to see what they look like um it's primitive but mostly accurate uh what's interesting is that with the egyptians they took it a step further and when they were mummifying uh their their kings and their people of extreme worship they would make these super elaborate death masks they were covered in gold and gems they were blessed properly all these crazy stuff they did to them so they are the most famous death masks and the most famous death mask of all was that of the young boy king tutankhamun and it's still on display in one or two museums in one of the i forget new it's in new york or the smithsonian it's in one of the few famous museums on the planet uh so yeah no your mask is super super depressing uh but not nearly as depressing as whoever comes across cofagrigus now cofagrigus being a sarcophagus it loves two things in this world eating gold and killing grave robbers oh, that's what I'm it does all out of gold yeah it is yeah, oh, uh, I'm here to eat gold and kill grave robbers, and I'm all out of gold. Just starts eating random people walking yeah. around. Uh, but now everything about it is practically ripped right off of the the curse of the mummy's tomb. Now you've heard of that, right? In the 1920s. Uh, yeah, it's uh that really ridiculous uh, myth here that everyone who went into uh, Tutankhamun's tomb died. Um, yeah, it's a bit ridiculous, though. I mean, some of those people died, like, 14 years later. Hey, man, it's a slow curse. You know, slow burn. You know, I walked into that Starbucks 13 years ago, and now I died. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, um, I love that its design is also in its moveset and ability. Its ability, if you touch it, you get cursed, and your abilities go away. So I think that's really, really cool. But also, it gets the moon infestation, which just swarms of bugs holding you still, which is Brendan Fraser's The Mummy all over or uh, i used to use or it reminds me of blood from the mummy's tomb no rule of three rule of three (laughs) no more we're done with that moving on next pokemon okay so i got another one this one may not be as obvious but to me it always had an egyptian uh, kind of feel. All right, go on. I, I I I tend to think of you know the the mummy type movies. You know the you know you you read the 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 tomb or you read the text or you read the hieroglyphs and then everything opens and then yeah. Um, Reg Rock. All right, I'm willing to listen to this. All right. All right, so bear with me. Um, so to begin here, Regirock's footprint is actually a scarab beetle. Well, I'm sold. That's awesome. Didn't even think of... You, who looks at Pokemon footprints? <laughs> um, they appeared... I forget which game it was. One of the games, they appeared in the Pokedex. Huh. Neat. I don't know if it was... Uh, I don't remember. I think it was one of the, It was either one of the uh, the remakes or one of the uh, the third set. Interesting. And in the Pokedex, they, they had uh, they had footprints, and Regirock's footprint is a scarab beetle. <laughs> Not, all right, all right. So there's another so there's another connection there, but yeah. So um, yeah, we talked about golems in the Unova episode and their connection to the he- to uh, Jewish people and Hebrew legend. And so in in the legends, you know, they are servants with writing on their heads. 
mm-hmm. which the Reggies have the, the markings, which the dot markings are the same as, are, are similar, you know, uh, to to other forms of writing. Uh, and in the mythos or the legends here, when the writing's removed, the creature wakes up. So when you interact with the writing of the tomb and follow the directions, guess who wakes up? The Reggies. So here's the other thing, though. Jewish people have historical ties to where? Oh, Egypt, Ten Commandments, Moses, all that fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. You got one more left in you? I do. I got one more. It's the last one. Um, last Pokemon, at least. Um, okay, so again, bear with me. It might sound like a stretch, but just bear with me. Because here's the truth, is that, you know, I was actually looking up uh, the other day here, uh... Pokemon movies and the locales they used um, and you know they do a lot of research and I remember this from uh, the uh, Pokemon Heroes uh, DVD here where they there's a special feature where you can watch them uh, oh god what city is that it's uh, in, in Italy uh, Venice Naples. in the water yes Venice yeah 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 and you can watch them you know researching the architecture here I mean they put a lot of thought into everything all right, so go on. Bear with me here. Amphros. You have 30 seconds to convince okay. me. So Amphros, while we know it's the sheep here, and I know I'm not going to talk about Blade Runner, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it, it shares traits of the lighthouse. You know, it's tall, it has stripes, and there's a beacon on top. Okay. Why do I care about a lighthouse? Let me finish. So, so um, Pharos mm-hmm. means lighthouse. The Lighthouse of Alexandria is Pharos of Alexandria. All right. So here's here's the thing, is that this Pokemon in, in Gen 2, you interact with it when it's at the top of a what? Ferris wheel. Top of a lighthouse. Lighthouse. That's same thing. Same thing. Yes. So Ampharos, you know, mm-hmm. and I think of the Pharos of Alexandria. And... Oh. Yeah, it's going to leave me here. We're going to talk about the Lighthouse of Alexandria, actually. Oh, okay, cool. Because that was, yeah, that was an ancient wonder, right? Yes, yeah, so Ampharos is found inside the Glitter Lighthouse. And, and, and again, nothing is by mistake. These, these people, they are the Leslie Nope of video games. <laughs> Massively overachieving. Um, the architecture of the Glitter Lighthouse... Um, very much resembles the lighthouse of Alexandria, and we, you know, I took a look here uh, of the, the pictures here. Um, I mean, the similarities are, are astounding. The structure, the design, um, you know, and yeah, the lighthouse, uh, the Pharos of Alexandria, um, was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Um, it was one of the tallest man-made structures for for centuries here, uh, and you know, it was only abandoned after a series of earthquakes between. Uh, 950 AD and 1300 AD when it was abandoned but I mean this is a was a huge functioning lighthouse and you know you think of the tie here and with Ampharos the word Pharos uh, you know just it's got Egypt written all over it oh wow I think there's hang on childhood's flashing back before my eyes do you remember that ancient Mew card yes Oh my gosh, no. Oh, that was awful. Uh, what, what, how old were you when that came out? 10 or 11. Oh, I was like 
eight or seven. Weird. Now that thing was weird. Like that was like one of those things. Like people were looking for those everywhere. Like people still are. You can find them on eBay. Yeah, I have a, I have a handful actually. Um, they uh they were like hieroglyphics here. You had to translate them. Yeah, then people were calling in and asking like, how do you translate this? I don't want to learn. The internet isn't real yet. Help me. <laughs> hey, hi, Nintendo. Can you uh? Oh no, wouldn't have been Nintendo. Uh, Wizards. I Wizards? Wizards? I think Wizards owned it. I only know that because of uh, uh, D&D stuff, don't ask, but yes. I think Wizards owned it in the 90s. Yeah, I think there's, so obviously the, the deserts of Unova that also have all the Yon Mask and Confagrigus living there and the ancient tombs and all the traps and stuff. Uh, that's also pretty, pretty Egyptian-like. Um, the one other place is actually in Sinnoh, and that's the Lost Tower. And the Lost Tower is shaped like an obelisk. Now, for those who don't know what an obelisk is, go look at the Washington Monument. That's what an obelisk is. It's a four-sided tower. And originally, um, these towers were built by master craftsmen in Egypt for different symbols and writing on that you can still find on today. But after Napoleon took all this Egyptian culture out of Egypt and spread it out, Egyptian architecture took hold in many European and then American cities. And so that's one of the things that still sticks out today. Whenever you want an ancient building with writing and such on it, you usually use an obelisk. And I think that all ties back around to the beginning where we talked about just how much influence Napoleon just brought into it. He didn't think about it, but that influence has stretched out to this day. Look at all the Pokemon we just covered. That was from an insular nation just making video games. Can you imagine if we actually took a real dive into like all of the architecture and everything? I can imagine that we would end up with Baba Hotep. Please look it up immediately. Bubba Hotep. I'm going out. Wait, no, no. I'm going to Google it. Give me one Bubba second. Hotep. It's going to... If you do look it up, Bubba. Look up Baba Hotep and please post pictures uh, to our page. One lucky winner will receive a Egyptian-themed Pokemon gift this month. Oh, my God. No way. Th- this is... I'm not going to spoil Hotep. it to you, people. You owe me. This is not a thing. I don't want it to be a thing. I am just going to cue the music. Alrighty, another episode under our belt. So once again, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, for those waiting for our live episode, great news. I was able to get a talk with uh, my friend Will from the Common Descent podcast, a really great paleo podcast, by the way. Um, he was able to help me out in getting everything organized. Again, sorry we keep delaying it. We have lives and stuff that we have to get through, and we've been working on it. But this whole next weekend, after I'm done editing this episode, I'm going to be working on setting up. Hopefully you guys will love it. Yeah, um, and you know... Uh, while you're waiting, please keep up to date on social media. Uh, we are going to get this live episode going here, but we want to hear from you as we're growing. We need your input. Um, we have a lot of plans for uh, starting in September as we change things after this first year anniversary. Um, and a lot of it's going to involve your input. Uh, and we'd like to have more interactions with you guys, uh, especially in recording episodes, participating in episodes. So, you know, we want you to be involved. Uh, uh, if you are someone with a Pokemon site or group or anything and you wish to be a sponsor, please let us know. Uh, we love for you know support and we're, we want to thank everyone who uh, has given us support thus far. Uh, it's been a great, uh, great journey. No, it's been a lot of fun. And one of the things we just wanted to let you guys know is that we do this for fun. 
So if there's ever a future where we start asking um, asking for a Patreon or anything like that, it's not so we can quit our jobs and our careers and whatnot. We want to keep this going as a hobby, but keeping this on sites like iTunes and SoundCloud and all that stuff, yeah, they, they charge us for it. So hopefully in the future we can get enough sponsored Patreon just to keep it running and call it quits there. Yeah. Uh, but again, that that's a problem for future professor and veteran. We'll, we'll worry about that as time goes on. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, again, our social medias, we are on Twitter at, at Pokemon Science, so you can always tweet us over there. Um, of course, um, Professor, you want to tell them where they can find us? Uh, you can find us on Podbean or iTunes. Please subscribe. Uh, you know, give us a five uh, five star review here on iTunes. And what we're going to start doing here is I'm going to be looking for people who are leaving them, and we may start picking some uh, fans here to join us in some episodes. Uh, again, you know, I, you know, we're, we're we we know we're driving this home like crazy. Um, but as veteran Lucas said, you know, the big thing is right now is that we need to build a, a structure so that we do not have to, uh, you know, worry about keeping things up because keeping all the episodes available for you at all times, uh, it can be costly at times for us. And, you know, we both have careers and lives and I, I have two kids. So for me, you know, uh, every extra cent goes a long way sometimes, uh, you know, and so the, the more... The more help we have from you, the easier it is for us to either get sponsorship or to maintain a, a Patreon if we decide to go that route. Uh, I think we'd prefer to keep things free as much as possible, though. So the more help you give us, uh, the easier it is. We know you're listening. You know, we can see the downloads. <laughs> so we know you're definitely listening. We know there's there's thousands of you, which is insane. Um, yeah. It's really insane, and we want to thank you all. Uh, but, you know, just please, you know, help us out here. We, we'd appreciate it. Yeah, and I'll... If any of um, the social media stuff is too fancy for you, just say hi at pokescience at yahoo.com. I, some of you aren't social media people. I get that. No more jokes about any old grandmas and whatnot. But no, nah, you don't. Facebook's the fastest way to contact us uh, or anything. But again, the email's out there for you. Yeah. And you know what? If you want, you know, go to the Pokey Science page on Facebook. Please, again, that's another thing here too, as, especially if we're, we decide, uh, the two of us, to look for sponsorship here. Uh, the more likely likes on that page the easier it is for us to make the argument to people to, to help fund so we can keep all the episodes up because that's what we want to do we want to keep everything available to you guys while keeping you know costs a minimum we, we we are doing this for fun and we want you guys to be able to enjoy things as well yeah and then we're sorry we keep driving that home don't want to sound like a bunch of shillers on youtube but hey it's kind of how we run uh so before we go we do want to make a couple announcements on what we're up for the summer uh my professor i think you got the list i do so here's what's coming up in july we're going to japan we're going to be doing uh, Japanimals and yokai. We're going to be doing our own takes on yokai, so I think you're going to enjoy that. Uh, we're trying to get details here so that we can either do our live episode in, in July or August, hopefully July. I got my fingers crossed for July, especially because uh, North America Internats is, is, is in July. And uh, yeah, me and the uh, the little one will be there. Uh, she's been uh, learning how to play with the touchscreen. She's uh, her, her team has has all offensive moves. Of course it does. <laughs> so, so at least she's doing something every turn. <laughs> at least. All right, so what, what do we got in August? Okay, August and September are actually connected. We are going to be doing invertebrate, uh, crustaceans, and then in September we're doing reptiles, leading into our special one-year anniversary episode with a guest star, as we talk about 
fossils. Yeah, no, we got a, we got a good guy lined up for that one. He's the best. So until that time, yes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys in July. If we don't get to you till then, happy Fourth of July for all our American listeners. We'll see you as soon as we can. Bye bye, everybody. Thanks for coming out, guys.